Welcome to a conversation powered by Connected Learning, where we chat with some of today's leading minds about new learning approaches designed for the demands and opportunities of the digital age. Connected Learning values the new ways many young people today access information, gain expertise, and learn alongside peers and mentors using the internet, social networks, and digital technology. We're excited you're here to join the conversation as we seek to make learning relevant. This is Paul O of the National Writing Project, a member of the new Connected Learning Alliance, and I'm talking today with Elise Eidman-Adal, NWP's Director of National Programs and Site Development, and a member of the Connected Learning Alliance Board. Hi, Elise. Hi, Paul. Hi, thanks for joining us. You're involved in so many projects that have some relationship to Connected Learning. Uh, what's your favorite aspect of this work? Mm, that's a great question. Um, and I think that, that it's interesting, some of the things that are so exciting about Connected Learning are true across the range of projects. And I would say that's the uh, amazing experience of being able to be in environments where young people are passionately pursuing some project and interest of theirs um, and pursuing their own learning. It's kind of infectious. So I think that's my favorite part. Wonderful, wonderful. And uh, what would you say, in your opinion, are some of the most pressing issues in education in terms of helping to create modern learners versus industrial age learners? Oh, yeah, well, that's, um, that's a topic that is getting so much discussion now. Uh, so many of us really globally, I would say, have seen uh, the tremendous difference that the information age has made uh, for all of us, whether we're actually part, you know, plugged into the internet, plugged into devices or not, the abundance of information, abundance of connection, social connection, knowledge connection that is available even globally now really means we're in an entirely different ecosystem than we were even a couple of decades ago. And I, certainly when I think of when I grew up, um, without saying exactly when that was, but for, for myself, the school or the library, the museum, these great learning institutions were the place you had to go to to access stuff. And I can still remember being um, a child and my father, who was actually uh, under the GI Bill working on a degree, would take me with him to these great libraries. Um, Carnegie Libraries actually back in Baltimore City and I would go to the children's area and I would have access to amazing things. I would spend, he would drop me off there and then go uh, to his own classes. Um, actually he was taking into the GI Bill and I would spend the whole day following one interest, you know, whether it's dinosaurs and space travel and that kind of thing, one after another in that library. It provided a kind of access that could not be there at home. Um, and now that whole ecosystem has changed. Um, now actually learning institutions are among the many places with the internet perhaps foremost, where we can follow our interests and make connections with things and fuel our own learning. So to me, the huge difference between that previous era, let's call it the industrial age, or let's call it whatever we want, that era and now is that back then people needed to show me and other learners how to access a couple of those important points of knowledge development and creative activity. 
Now we have to really help young people figure out how to live with and deal with and make the most of abundance um, and bring innovation and creativity and adaptability to kind of constant change in that, in that um, ecosystem. And that's a different kind of support system. That's a different kind of education system than the one even that I grew up in um, not so long ago. Wonderful. Uh, th th those are powerful stories. Thanks, Elise. And uh, you've touched upon this and perhaps even answered this question. But um, one thing that is true about connected learning is that uh, the principles are powered by the tools of the digital age, um, which you began talking about. Um, is there any more that you would like to add uh, with regard to how you and um, the National Writing Project would characterize the possibilities of using modern technology for learning? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting um, just thinking about the National Writing Project uh, and all the, the vast network of teachers and mentors that are part of it. I think one of the things that's interesting when you, when you say, okay, let's think about writing. Um, writers are always, have always been folks who are kind of on a mission and often on a mission on their own learning. Uh, you know, whether it's, it's something in nonfiction that they want to investigate, whether they're trying to write a memoir, whatever it is that they may be working on, draft by draft, they're on a mission. And they're powering that piece of writing or production and they're doing research when they have to or interviewing when they have to and they're following a lead in their own learning. And that's very much the, the kind of learner that we see often powered on the internet as well. And one of the things that, that now we as searchers and producers can do on the internet or even off the internet using digital tools is that we now have these kind of amazing tools that can power and ramp up every element of that journey. Uh, if you want to connect to people, if you want to interview, if you want to find a mentor, if you want to publish um, some ideas in progress and make a connection, if you want to add some graphic or video, whatever you might want to do, it's easier, it's cheaper, the connections are more powerful. All the things that, um, that made many of us in the National Writing Project fall in love with writing to begin with and having young people be writers the tools just make that amplified and abundant and more possible for, for more, um, more people at ever younger ages. Um, young people who, you know, at whatever age could not physically, let's say, go find a mentor or proceed uh, down the road to find somebody who can help them think about something. Now they can connect with those folks easily and repeatedly. And it's, so it's an exciting time to think about what digital tools do for writers, teachers, mentors, anyone who's writing or thinking about writing, it's, it's a great age for that. Wonderful. Uh, another issue that is just such a big part of the educational conversation these days is the notion of college and career readiness. So I, I'm wondering how, how you think our education system and the way we think about learning in general uh, must evolve in order to deal with labor force issues today and uh, the changes that we see in our economy. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, college and career readiness, it, it absolutely is the, uh, the banner in so many places. And I, one of my worries is that sometimes we uh, call up an image of college or career ready that is informed by a kind of college experience or career experience that may actually not even really exist anymore. So how to actually keep the image of what it means to be 
college and career ready, informed by the real experience of people in the labor force or in higher education today, that's a really important task. Um, I think that we certainly see in the labor force tremendous shift toward um, workers of all sorts in industries, many of which are new um, and some of which haven't been invented yet, having to bring um, more capacity for change, more personal entrepreneurship, uh, more adaptability, learning how to learn, more collaboration, more innovation to their work at sort of all levels of the workforce, um, not just in certain industries and not just in certain locations within an industry, but actually across rapidly changing industries. Uh, and we also see a flowering right now of invention and entrepreneurship, which again calls on some of those same dispositions. And I think higher ed is pushing itself to adapt to that and to create opportunities for young people to move into that workforce through higher ed. So it would be a shame if K-12 um, right now, education systems, didn't see the dramatic changes in higher ed and the workforce and how it is that we would have to prepare kids for those changing post-secondary environments. Great. Um, I'm wondering also, uh, Connected Learning suggests that we need a fourth R in education uh, and that fourth R being relevance. Why do you think relevance is so important to a young person's learning and education? Uh, and, and of course, as so many of us know, uh, to learn anything, actually, uh, the power of relevance, of experiencing relevance and engagement in a learning environment is so central to anything that we would think about as achievement. So absolutely, uh, I don't know that there's anybody who would argue that greater relevance means more learning. We sometimes were challenged, though, to think about what that means. And for me, uh, again, going back to what it might be like to have a lot of folks working on writing, you know, we, we can all be doing, um, let's say, our writing, our videos, whatever um, we might be working on. The capacity to choose to follow a particular interest, I might still have a context where people are going to help me learn to write or create media better and maybe in a way that's college and career ready. But the fact that I've been able to follow my, a pathway and interest, a topic that I've chosen and do something significant with it, uh, something a little bit more than do a piece of writing and hand it in for a grade, but maybe really follow a lead of an interest far down the road, share it with a community. Uh, maybe it relates to something community connected have some civic engagement around it or an opportunity to work with others that feels really powerful and relevant to me. Uh, to me, that's experiencing connected learning. And it's probably actually going to add up to much greater achievement and much greater capacity for the young learner and much greater connection to the community and to, uh, to others in that person's life. So it's hard to argue against relevance, um, but we are right now facing a system that has given uh, in schools and in, and in other learning institutions that have given people very few options for choices or personal pathways. So anything that can move us away from the one size fits all kind of curriculum that lets people with rigor and follow an interest, make a connection, do something that's important, 
that's going to that's going to be more relevant, and that's going to produce better achievement, in my view. Uh, yeah, it's uh, just fascinating to hear you talk about connected learning uh, in these ways, and I I feel like embedded in your responses to all these questions have been um, the the principles uh, laid out. Uh, and I'm wondering if there is a particular principle uh, from among the six um, of the connected learning principles that resonates with you the most. Mm. Well, all, all the principles do resonate, I would say. And, and I think that we at the National Writing Project and in other spaces like you media centers or in many activities that Hive might sponsor in Hive locations, that in many cases we're really focusing on young people as producers. So that production-centered piece, I think, is something we, we do. But for me, I think one of the things I'm thinking about the most right now is the principle of open networks, openly networked. Um, because I think that uh, um, I and my colleagues in learning institutions, whether they're K-12 schools or higher ed or libraries or museums, uh, we are we are often, along with our young people, in silos, um, creating the connections between and amongst us so that there is really a powerful ecosystem for young people in their learning, our being openly networked with each other and creating opportunities for kids not to be siloed, but to be openly networked with the mentors that will be powerful for them, with the people they can learn with or teach, um, with the folks that help them actually grow up and become wonderful adults in the community, having that kind of openness, it's not something we do really well in the learning institutions. So even though I think we're working most powerfully on production-centeredness, um, I'm really intrigued right now about what it would mean to really have an openly networked human infrastructure that would match the openly networked technology um, and internet infrastructure that we're starting to build. That's kind of the question that's on my mind right now. Uh, a wonderful question. And I'm wondering if you could help our listeners by, uh, by defining what you mean by openly networked or what is meant by openly networked. So it can mean so very many things. And, and I think that, that um, uh, one piece, you know, it's got two words to it. It's got openness. And openness can mean, again, a, a kind of principle, a philosophical principle of um, engagement and public access and democratic participation. And networked, um, in many cases, person to person, I think, connections. I'd love to see an opportunity where, uh, let's say, a, a young person or group of young people together uh, we're interested in pursuing something powerful for them, something that's going to be academically relevant for their lives and their communities. And maybe they start it in the summer and maybe it advances um, because of something they've done together in a summer camp. And then it becomes a school project and then you can carry it over to the community library. And maybe there's um, uh, some small nonprofits in the community that will also help you with that kind of interest. And you might work with them in the out-of-school time. That might turn into a major project that then you present back at school uh, and maybe take into a civic engagement space so that it can do something in the community. And for me to have an opportunity for all those players in the community to be networked with each other so that young people's learning is both open 
and networked and they can move among all those spaces. And of course the internet's part of that as well. Um, they can move among all those spaces to follow their passions and interests. And the adults can create the human infrastructure that lets them do that as well. Um, and lets them be participants in the, in the, in really the community and life settings in which they live. That's a fantastic vision. And uh, I'm hoping that that gets realized. Um, in, uh, in terms of a, just a final question here, uh, uh, given all the work that you've been involved with um, regarding connected learning, I'm wondering if you could tell us, uh, if, if you can even pick one, uh, tell us one of your favorite connected learning stories. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I thought this would be a challenge. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think there are really so many. Um, one, I think that, that what I guess comes to mind is in some ways, I'm gonna push back on that and say it's less one story for me than it is a kind of image of a cer certain type of experience and work that I've seen repeatedly. And that's a space, and maybe it's in a library, and maybe it's in a school. Um, I've seen them in both those places. I've seen it in a museum. Uh, and you walk into a room, and there's a buzz of activity. And you see an amazing group of young people doing something that actually they didn't even believe when they came in in the day that they could do. Maybe they're making an app around something that they're interested in. Maybe they're... Uh, being taught about some public databases uh, that let them map their community and see information about where they live that they didn't know. Maybe they're on a, um, maybe they're having a Skype chat with a favorite author who's giving them tips about their own writing and they're making a connection with someone. There are so many rooms where something like that is happening. Young people and adult mentors together working on something powerful, developing skills, feeling as if they're able to do something gloriously ambitious that they didn't even believe that they could do before they walked into that room. And it's happening with energy and it's happening with vision. And what's exciting to me, and so I think maybe the story I'd wanna tell is that that is happening in so many points of light, um, certainly across the country and around the world so connected learning is happening. The story is it's there. The challenge is um, how to make it possible for the wider group of young people with equity, uh, with attention to not marginalize, to really be inclusive, how to have a, that happening, those rooms happening to include all young people. Um, that's the story that I hope we can tell. The story we can tell is it's there. The story I hope we can tell about connected learning is that soon it's going to be there for everyone. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Elise. I appreciate it. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for joining us here at the Connected Learning Alliance. If you missed any of this conversation or want to listen to more discussions, check out our website at clalliance.org or subscribe to our podcast channel on iTunes. See you back here for more talks with change makers and thought leaders who are building the next generation of learning.